0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 221. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about video games. I actually have video games to talk about, surprisingly. Since when I was on my, my trip, if you didn't know, I was out of town. I went to uh, Big Bear Lake up in in California just for like a family trip thing. Um, so I did not get to really play that many games. Uh, I played a little bit of a game my nephew was playing called Unrailed. I didn't really get to play a ton of it, but basically it's like a little kind of Minecraft on rails auto-scrolling kind of game where you kind of go and mine wood and stone to build a train track for this train that's constantly moving. So if you ever played like Blast Core on the Nintendo 64. It's kind of similar to that. Except for you're building a track rather than like destroying the buildings in front of it. So it has to have a path to get to. Otherwise the missions kind of forfeit. Um, that seemed kind of kind of fun. But the biggest trouble I, I, I saw initially. Again I played very little or put very little time into it. Was just uh, there wasn't really a, um, I couldn't really find the incentive to kind of push forward outside of just uh, seeing some of the new environments over the course of time. I'm not sure how long it takes to get between the different environments. I think it probably took us maybe like 20 minutes to get through the first uh, like ecosystem initially. Um, But yeah, it it seemed fun enough, but I didn't really spend a lot of time with it to say anything super definitive about it. But if you want like a four-player, um, kind of like Minecrafty kind of thing that's not really Minecraft, more just like has a crafting element to it maybe more than anything, uh, that was like a fun little thing. And then also, I, I think as per usual with pro- uh, at least my family get-togethers is, uh, Jackbox. I- I'd imagine Jackbox is pretty standard across the board for most get-togethers, <laughs> uh, at least with people who who are somewhat interested in video games but maybe not like, uh, into, into more traditional video games. Um... I think Jackbox is a very good game, but at this point I think I've played so much Jackbox and like they are usually are kind of a variation on a theme and I don't find a lot of like value in those different variations. I think they're I think they're clever in like taking rules and kind of refitting, you know, different things the user can do. Um, around those rules, uh, but I just didn't really—I don't know—I I just have a really hard time really getting to Jackbox games um, in uh, at this point. Uh, some there's definitely some social value to it, you know. It's fun to like kind of converse with the people, see what kind of drawings they do, and things like that. But at this point, I think I've been Jackboxed out over the last ten years. I feel like at this point, it, it's been a long time um, that that Jackbox has been out around and and, and about. So. So yeah, and that's really all I played on on the trip. So um, the, I didn't really do too much other than just kind of talk to family. One thing I did spend a little time thinking about actually. So I didn't really work on the the uh, any kind of videos either, unfortunately. So still no real updates on that. But uh, one thing I did do was I started thinking a little bit about 4K capture. Um, so if you don't know, right now I'd capture everything in either 720p or 1080p depending on on what the game's resolution is uh if it's if it's like a 1080p game I'll just go and capture it in 1080p if it's a game running at 720p or below I just capture it at 720p main reason I capture it in 720p is just to save on space kind of thing um, so at this point, like what I have set up wise works for that for the most part. Um, if you don't know, four eighty p games in particular don't always upscale super well into seven twenty p. Just because there's stuff that happens in terms of hey, the number four eighty p doesn't work or like perfectly fit into seven twenty or ten eighty kind of thing. So basically, the TV has to do some work to kind of like figure out what the image is going to actually look like or the upscaler in the case of like a frame meister. They have to kind of work on the image to kind of figure out what what this image should display as when it comes out the other side essentially. Um, I will note before we get too deep into this I'm not really super technically savvy on a lot of these things so if you're like hey that's not how this actually works then I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm not super up on this. So, so again, don't take this as like hundred percent truth or anything, but this is my understanding of how that works. So basically it kind of refits the image to the frame. Um, one thing that I was, uh, noticing, uh, coming up and, and I did like visually see a difference as well is looking at, um, ZFG who does the Ocarina of Time speed runs. He's, he's a, one of the major players there. Um, he recently got a new PC and started, uh, streaming Ocarina of Time in, in 4k, Um, which, well, rather, let me, let me kind of roll that back. He, he got a 4k capture card and I don't know if he's capturing in 4k, but he's streaming in 1080p. Um, but one thing I noticed was that his video quality did see a significant bump between 720 and and 1080. Um, and kind of the setup he has to, to my understanding is that he's actually pulling in the game footage at 4k from the, from the, um, I don't know if he's using like an upscaler or what, I think it's the Wii's. He has, like, a Wii HDMI mod or something like that. But he's basically pulling in a 4K signal into a 4K capture card and then basically using, like, OBS to capture it at, like, 1080p or something like that, or or stream it at 1080p. And it did seem to, like, have a, a pretty significant, like, noticeable... Uptick in quality. Um, the reason being is 480 can fit into the 4K uh, video signal better, and so while I think you're still kind of doing some interpolation based off, you know, downscaling it from 4K to 1080, um, maybe just the lack of of uh, multiple layers of that happening um, um, is what plays into that. I'm not 100 sure why, but I can confirm at least in his particular setup, you know, him streaming Ocarina of Time at 4K or at 1080p with a 4K capture. Um, did improve the video quality. Now it's worth mentioning that when they speedrun Ocarina of Time, in most scenarios they're streaming off of uh, Virtual Console for the Nintendo Wii, and Virtual Console displays Ocarina of Time at 480p. So, so that's a big component there. If you're thinking about 240p and what the original Ocarina of Time does, um, I don't think you know switching between a 720 or 1080 signal really matters in that case. I think it kind of fits evenly into all those things. I could be wrong, but I believe. In the case of 240, you don't really have as, as big of a bump um, in, in that kind of quality versus like a 480 to, to, to a 4K capture setup. So it did make me think a little bit about you know, what components I would need to switch out of my system to potentially um, uh, go for that kind of setup if I wanted to consider it. Um, one big benefit of capturing in 1080p rather than 4K is that I will save a lot on space capturing footage for a lot of video games takes up a lot of space and I have not gotten to the point yet where I have started deleting footage. Um, so that is something that will probably eventually happen where I have to sit there and kind of pick and choose what I want to keep or at least, you know, pare down gameplay. I have like 350 gigabytes of happy dance collection gameplay and I probably don't necessarily need that. Right. (laughs) Um, uh, but it, it is, it is something that, that has made me considered, um, uh, going that route because I will be able to just capture at 1080p, which will be bigger than the 720 I capture for older games as is using my FrameMeister, but it will be not as big as 4K at the very least. Um, so the big things that I would need for me to switch out is I need to switch out my FrameMeister. I'd probably get a RetroTink. Um, I believe the RetroTink 5x has 4K support. I need to double check on that. The other thing is the OSSC. Was is a uh, option for four K as well, so I could look at those two options and see. The big thing about the Retro Tink Five X is that um, it, it seems to not have that issue with switching between different resolutions. So we wouldn't have the problem of like losing out on beginning of cutscenes or like loading back into gameplay and losing like the first second or so of gameplay. So that is like a, a big a big benefit. I would also need a 4K capture card. Right now, I have a Live Gamer uh, 2 from Avermedia. I don't believe it has 4K support. I'm pretty sure it is 1080p only. I'll need to double check on that, but but I believe that is the case. So I need to look into a new capture card. And then when you're capturing, or rather when you're pulling in a video signal at 4K and then capturing in an OBS at 1080p, I'm not sure how much more intensive that would be on a graphics card versus just capturing, you know, at 1080p through any other signal type coming through. I don't know if it's the same load or if it's a different load or, or, or what. Um, but it is something that I can maybe consider or like having to actually look at my PC and seeing if I, if I uh, would need to upgrade it on the bright side, getting like a retro tink, I would get a benefit out of that upfront immediately from just not having that resolution swapping. Um, the capture card at 4k would not really have any particular benefit upfront. Unfortunately, um, if I did run into issues where my PC was not particularly um, capable of, uh, of, uh, supporting that, that resolution and, and coming in. So uh, then at that point I'd really have to sit down and like really look at what I'm doing with my, my, um, you know, PC what's out there. You know, I, I think you're all aware at the, this time, at least, you know, hardware components are not particularly cheap. So, so that would be a real concern for me. Um, although it is getting to the point that I probably should get a better PC, but the reality is, is that like, for the most part, capturing how I'm capturing right now is pretty sufficient. And it's not like a huge, huge deal. Um, so it's just something I'm going to think about, I think, a little bit as we go forward into the future. You know, I, I would definitely be somebody who wants to have the best video quality possible. But when it comes down to me playing video games, I usually don't really recognize the video quality differences all that much typically um, i think color spectrum i can i can recognize a little bit more um, that was one of the big benefits i saw when i switched over from doing like s video for playstation one to component was just how much brighter the colors were um from from the system or rather i was playing it on the ps2 and getting component from that that was kind of the big thing that I noticed. But but for the most part, like once I start getting into a game, usually the, the resolution and stuff doesn't matter all that much. It's definitely something that's noticeable. But as long as the game is good and I'm moving forward through it, you know, I can sit through a 240p video game without any real issue. You know, it might be a little hard on the eyes when I'm video editing it later, but that's not me playing the video game, right? So that was something I was thinking a little bit about um, and potentially looking at in the future, but I'll let you guys know if that is something that I that I explore further. Um, the other thing is, is that I'm potentially looking at maybe getting a camera that's not like a webcam. I use a webcam for streaming and stuff like that, obviously, uh, but I have recently found need to have more dynamic camera angles at times. So I was looking at maybe trying to find if we could get like a camera that I could record off and, and maybe have like a, you know, the ability to better, you know, record in different scenarios and, and better record like me Managing, like, you know, or like handling hardware or something along those lines in a way that I can't really do today. Because if you haven't noticed, uh, at least from what I my experience, um, is that with certain like exposure, light exposures, and like focus. Um, my webcam does not really hold up its frame rate super well. Um, you can see in the Animal Crossing video that, that that video is pretty choppy. I think the same thing for any of the PCFX videos where I included like uh, the video of me capturing uh, or rather using the Google Translate phone app on my phone um, that I, I'm unable to like, like it's just it's just kind of choppy looking in a way that that my footage does not look when I'm when I'm having like a green screen behind me and I'm fully lit and things like that. So I may consider looking into something like that. It would also give me some more flexibility and positioning and stuff. Cause right now, if I want to do like any kind of dynamic capturing, I have to do either like an extension cable for my PC and like try to put my webcam up on like a box somewhere, or I have to, um, go ahead and like get my laptop out and like c- connect the camera to my laptop and move my laptop around. And, and it's just not like a particularly, um, convenient setup. And the video quality that comes out of it is not amazing either. So, I'm looking at maybe that and maybe the camera thing, depending on what I decide on, might end up being like, hey, maybe you guys like help me out and paying half of it for through like the coffee. Like it's not an urgent thing that I need. And so it, it wouldn't really be like a, a um, something I feel the need to like grab right away. Um, but it would be something that I could like improve some of the video quality on the channel. I probably would also offer up a quote game room tour for for what like like as a reward. But you know, my game room tour is not really a game room tour. It is really like a my apartment tour. And like I don't I don't have that like amazing, you know, well like <laughs> well like presentation wise built out room with like a lot of like stuff very fancily placed around and like cool lights or anything like that. I have shelves to store games I got shelves to store consoles, and I got a ton of wires behind my PC here. And that's kind of the game room. Um, but it might, like, you know, like, give us some flexibility to try to do more videos like that. Um, that maybe not necessarily, like, like it wouldn't be that, that interesting, probably. But it would give you guys more of a, a view of, like, what I have set up wise. You can see my nightmare bedroom, which is not really a bedroom as much as it is a warehouse with a bed in it. I just have like a bunch of TVs in there. I need to get rid of some of those at some point. So, so yeah. Anyways, equipment talk aside though, um, I did actually play some video games. One video game I did not play was No More Heroes 3. I did order that. That did arrive at my place. I was very surprised that the uh, day it came out, I got a notification from Amazon being like, "It's gonna arrive today." But when I checked the tracking, it hadn't even shipped yet. Apparently, it's shipping from the lo- or shipped from the local warehouse here. So within like three hours of them letting me know it's gonna arrive that today, it was already at my my apartment in like the Amazon locker, which was like, "Okay, sure." So I got No More Heroes three. I have not had a chance to play it. I have had a lot of people send me clips of it, and I'm trying to kind of avoid looking at those. I feel like. I'm not that big of a person that's like, oh, I need to avoid spoilers, like, or go like on media blackouts or anything like that. Like, obviously, I don't want to know the end of a game typically, right? Like, I don't generally want to have something spoiled for me immediately. Um, but I, am somebody who, who generally likes to, 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 like, I don't, I don't stress too much about it. Like, I, I don't go on Twitter and like, or hide from Twitter or like block words or anything like that. I'm like, okay. For No More Heroes 3 in particular, though, I feel like No More Heroes and and maybe Suda51 games in general, maybe I should say Grasshopper games in general, are games that I want to be surprised by, usually, just to kind of see what's going on and what kind of weird stuff they present up to you up front. So I've had a lot of people sharing stuff with me from No More Heroes 3, but I've been largely ignoring it just because I don't really want to you know, get the, the the bulk of that game up front and then, you know, kind of dig around and the, and the rest of it afterwards. I'd rather kind of experience it for myself. I'd like to play No More Heroes 3 sooner rather than later. I did not get a chance to play it this weekend. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully that'll be somewhat soon. Uh, I have a couple video ideas that wouldn't require me to play too many video games, um, at least in depth. So it could be that I kind of take some time to play through No More Heroes 3 while I work on some other video ideas that don't necessarily require me to be invested in a particular game at a time to, to do so. Um, what did take up my time this weekend is that since, uh, you know, after that trip I had, I had my family in town uh, for a little while. So we did go to a couple of arcades. Um, one we went to is Dave and Buster's here in Las Vegas. There's only one location in Las Vegas for a surprise. For some reason, I thought there would be more. Um, but yeah, I went to the, the Dave and Buster's there. We played a handful of things. I was there with my nephew and he's like a seven year old kid. So like some of the stuff we played would be things I would not typically play. But hey, that actually kind of makes it somewhat interesting because I'm playing titles that I would not really go on my way to, to spend time on uh, typically. So one being Minecraft Dungeons, which honestly Minecraft Dungeons on console looks fine. I was not aware that there's a Minecraft Dungeons arcade game. Um, and more interestingly enough, it, it actually is a card game. So, you know, it's kind of like Injustice, where it'll go ahead and print out cards for you. It's not like uh account specific cards, so it's not like a token doll or icons or anything like that. You basically get like weapon cards and cosmetic cards, and you use those weapons and cosmetics to basically equip your character in game, then you go on dungeon runs, and then as you go through the dungeon runs, I'm not sure if you earn cards through completing the dungeons, but you at least earn cards from continuing. They'll spit you out a card every time you pay money, basically. Um, so you go through a dungeon, you can collect these like little green crystals and when you click green crystals they like power up your weapons and things like that apparently mechanically it's actually pretty significantly different from the console version of minecraft dungeons so my uh, brother-in-law was saying he played it with uh with my nephew uh extensively the console version so in, in his explanation at least it seems like it made a lot of sense that it was was kind of this own unique experience uh but it just kind of used the the cosmetics and framework of of what minecraft dungeons was on console and applied it to a console release or to an arcade release. So that was a fun little thing. I think there's something that I could like could be desired about the, um, controls. It used like an, I believe an analog stick or, or not analog stick, a uh, joystick for you to move around. Um, but there's three buttons for you to either melee attack, use a range attack or dodge. And for some reason, the dodge being the center button between the three buttons threw me off. Like for some reason, I really wanted the dodge to be on the left button. My thumb was like, I want to dodge with my thumb. So obviously, you can't really remap the controls in the arcade, but I I thought it was kind of surprising that that threw me off so much. I imagine, you know, if I spent enough time playing Minecraft Dungeons, I would kind of figure it out. Um, We also played a bit of Centipede Chaos, which is basically like an updated version of, of Centipede using voxels um and so it has like basically kind of like power-ups and stuff you can collect so you get like a spread shot laser shots bombs things like that things you kind of expect from from maybe like a uh a shooter in terms of power-ups you can pick up on the ground but a bit more like surface level because it is a game that is very much intended for like short bursts of play Uh, i think you can have the four players it's a widescreen setup and you know like centipede it's a a Board where the centipedes come from the top, and then various bugs come from the top as well. There's also some boss fights. The boss fights are pretty straightforward. They just kind of go back and forth left or right, and then they'll throw like little minions at you, and then occasionally they kind of dash down at you and deal damage. Uh, but in a very like arcadey kind of um, cheap win or cheap loss kind of way. Uh, some of the, the the last boss in particular, which is a, a one life boss, you actually cannot continue with it. Um, the, the, it is a boss that dod or a de- tackles very quickly. Um, so you will I don't know I I did not play it enough to know what the strategy could end up being if you learn the pattern or what. But I just was like basically completely smashed into the wall <laughs> without much of a warning. It felt like on the final boss, but it was it was fun enough. And and again, I, it's one it's one of those hard things to really know the value of those games. You know, when you're at a Dave and Buster's, it's like what is nine credits mean Uh, like i'm sure you could do the math and figure it out i'm sure i could google it figure it out as well um but it does kind of obscure like how much money you're paying for these experiences at at times like if that was a one dollar video game which i wouldn't be surprised if it was um it 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 probably doesn't really have the um depth that i would like but it was like a fun little thing that you can shoot and you know it's based off centipede so if you want to like get your mom to be like i love the centipede i'll play it with you benjamin and then they come over and sit by you and you're like thank you mama um then then you know you just sit there and and play some centipede with your mom she knows what centipede is she'll play it but if you're like well we, i nitro plus blasters top-down shooter i'm sonico i shoot cats up into the sky and and i shoot uh, giant thing animals or something your mom's gonna be like no i'm not gonna play that <laughs> I don't know. Don't listen to me. Um, one game I did play that I was actually really disappointed by, and this is something I played separate from my nephew, is Elevator Action Invasion. So I had no idea. Apparently they've been making more Elevator Action arcade games that are in on rail shooting styles. Um, I was unaware this was the thing. Um, and Elevator, kind of the gimmick of Elevator Action Invasion at least, is that um, when you are in the, the like little cabinet or whatever, it's like a little room you kind of stand in, uh, but like it's an open back out into the arcade, um, you you get like a gun, like an Uzi, I believe. And and there are actual physical elevator doors that open and close in front of the screen. There's a few different things about this game that I don't particularly like. Um, one is that I'm not sure if this was a setting on the system or if the, there's something that was broken. The, the lack of uh, force feedback on the gun shooting was like a weirdly weird thing to be missing i understand why you wouldn't want force feedback on those guns uh, because sometimes those really hurt your hands over time so i feel like a light force feedback force feedback would be better than like you know nothing at all but again maybe it was just an issue with the the controller not working the bigger issues i have with the game are um um the uh, balance so how this game works is initially there's like a first level that's very typical on rail shooter you're kind of like on top of this helipad you're walking around shooting guys um, the enemies actually have quite a bit of health, and and even when I was in situations where I was very effective with my bullets in a way that felt effective, at least, um, or or like I can't physically think of them am- or like I can't think like think of the uh, uh, amount of accuracy I could have had that would have made me better approach that a situation. Like there's a target on screen, I immediately started shooting in it and I hit it with every bullet. There are times where you end up still not like killing an enemy in time before they hit you. So it feels like you're taking a lot of damage you don't have a lot of control over, just so they can whittle you down and ask you to give you give more money to the system, basically. So that was kind of a long way to to, to get about saying that. But that was kind of kind of the biggest problem I had with the game. The other thing is that this game's gimmick, um, you know like the elevator doors I mentioned earlier, is that basically, you know, once you get off the helipad, you go into the elevator and you you when the elevator doors open, there's always something in front of you that's like a like I don't know what I don't I don't want to say a jump scare but like a jump action you got to deal with so it's like oh suddenly a quick time event oh suddenly there's a monster like or not monster, like an enemy standing outside like it's supposed to be that when you open the door it's this frantic experience where you have to you know shoot something right then and there and you have to analyze what's happening and 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 engage immediately and that seems to be most floors um, um, start that way. So it feels like at times with, with, as I mentioned earlier, with like the, the amount of damage you just kind of soak in, unless you are like absolutely perfect at reacting, you would still take damage. Now at, um, you know, if it's a free play machine, I don't think it'd be like a huge deal, but being at Dave and Buster's and, and how much it costs, you know, it it is a pretty pricey machine or, or at least it, I, I believe it was a high credit machine. Um, so I really didn't feel much of a incentive to keep pushing forward in it because I was like, this game just feels like it's draining health from me without really, um, feeling fair. Um, as I'll talk about with like some shooters later, I think there are some games that are, are, are much fairer than than this one. Again, it's also worth mentioning arcade games can be set to different settings for different arcades. So that maybe the, the, the Dave and Buster's had it set to maximum difficulty and you had to basically like perfect it to, 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 you know, survive, um but but yeah one other thing here's a small gripe in mind so the whole gimmick of this game is the elevator doors opening closing right so the elevator door closes and then and then like the screen's covered it opens it up and then you see what's in the next area when the elevator door is closing the the, the monitor that shows you what's inside turns off before the door closes which just like i think that kind of kills the illusion a bit like when when the door opens back up, the monitor is on because you're able to react immediately. But when it's closing, like halfway through the close, the monitor will turn off and go to black. And I just feel like that that is something that could have been better considered. Um, I still think the game doesn't look particularly great. It, it it looks like a um I don't know kind of a low budget 3D game, which I mean is not too uncommon for those kind of shooters. But when I think look at other like on rail shooters um at the top, um, on you know in arcades. Uh, visually it just doesn't really feel like it holds up it feels just kind of I don't want to say amateurish but it feels more aligned with like you know what I expect out of a game just kind of pulling unreal assets and things like that so anyways Elevator Action Invasion I really wanted to like it just because I was like what the heck an Elevator Action game I had no idea this was a thing I think the other one's called like Death Parade or something like that that I was not aware of I've not looked at any gameplay for Death Parade but I, I can say at least for Elevator Action Invasion uh, so far a thumbs down for me maybe there's another arcade with like easier settings where makes more sense. Kind of curious like how many of those games there are. I had no idea they were continuing the Elevator Action series. The last one I was aware of was uh the the one on Sega Saturn I believe or which was also an arcade game I think Elevator Action 2 if I recall correctly. I think it was in a Taito collection on PS2 as well. So yeah uh we played a bit more Mario Kart arcade GP DX don't have anything really to say about that. Uh Cruising Blast this is a game I was not aware of until that Nintendo Direct um uh event that happened where they said cruise and blast was going to the switch i don't know if it is actually out on the switch yet or if it's coming in the future but i wanted to check it out um i i did see that they they had it when i when i um where was i i was somewhere recently and i saw it and i didn't actually sit down and play it i'm i'm forgetting where that was or maybe it was i was looking at a video online i can't remember anyways i saw cruise and blast i was like i want to check out cruise and blast I want to see what's up with cruising blast that game's all right it plays very much like a cruising game you know kind of going straight down a a long kind of highway and you just kind of shift from side to side and the road automatically kind of like goes up and down and like hills and and you kind of like have a lot of um (laughs) like things you can interact with on the course whether that be like like animals you can run over and they explode or like you know, slamming into other vehicles and things like that. There's also, like, joke vehicles. So you can be, like, the London, you know, double-decker buses and things like that. So it seems like it's just, like, a lot of fun. I think there's a cruising game on the Wii as well. I never played that one. Um, but this seems about in line with what I expect from cruising games. I'm glad they're still making them. Like, what a... I don't know. that That is a series that, like, feels like it should be, like, dead and, like, lost in the 90s. But it's, it's kind of neat that it's it's stuck around, and, like, every 10 years we're seeing some kind of release at the very least... of of Cruise and Blast. I don't think I have anything really else to add about that. It is pretty much your typical driving arcade game, but maybe a little bit more extreme. But Raw Thrills makes a bunch of like games like that. I don't think Raw Thrills worked on this particular one. I could be wrong. It's also weird saying Nintendo's name on a racing game that's not a Mario Kart game again. Uh, Then I also played Mario and Sonic Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games Arcade Edition. I think I played the Rio event or version of this in the past. I believe it was at a Game Nest here in Las Vegas that they had the Rio one um that might still be there i don't remember but but this is the first time i played the tokyo olympics one as far as i can tell like it, effectively the game looked almost identical as far as i can tell admittedly i have not played the rio olympics one uh all that much but the uh, tokyo one has a very similar setup basically i think it's like three buttons uh, around you and then and then you also have a pad you can kind of jump on and i assume you can probably run on it as well get that active life the, the active life arcade experience I forget if I mentioned, I played a little bit more Active Life earlier this week as well, but nothing really to add there other than I'm almost done. I'm in the last world of Active Life, um, so we should be, or Active Life Explorer specifically, so I should be wrapping that one up soon. Uh, but yeah, nothing really to say on Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo Olympics 2020. I don't know why I wrote it down here because there's nothing really new to say for that. It's mini games where you place, press buttons. It's fun, and I had a good time with it. On the last game on this uh, that I played at Dave & Busters was Namco Flamin' Finger. Which is like a game that's kind of like Irritating Stick, or I forget what the the name is of the Nintendo sixty four game where you like move the uh, like metal bar around the uh, the like maze or whatever. It's kind of like that, but you move your finger around this maze game. Uh, it was very hard, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really tough game." And then uh, a friend of mine showed me later <laughs> that um, when you like looking at YouTube videos online, that the the countdown timer, um, for some reason, well, for for reasons of not wanting to give you tickets, uh, speeds up significantly faster as you approach the exit of the game or the the exit of the maze so it basically set up for you to fail that's not to say you can't win i did find a video online of somebody winning um it seemed like it very much required them to have kind of a straight shot to the end so they basically had to just go like swipe straight down straight over straight back up and then that was enough to give them like i think 0.3 seconds left on the clock for them to just kind of like dunk it and and win and get the jackpot or whatever. But as a ticket redemption game, I'm not too surprised that they really try to keep you from getting that jackpot. Uh, but but it is a little I don't know. It seems a little um, sleazy to to speed up the timer on you depending on where you're at in the maze and the closer you get to the end. So so yeah. And that was pretty much it for Dave and Busters. Uh, I also went by um, a Game Nest again, uh, which if, if you haven't heard before, that's an arcade here locally in town. It has a lot of Japanese games. Uh, I don't really have a ton to say about that that experience that I haven't said in the past. I played some Bishibashi with my brother-in-law, as well as Tank Tank Tank, and uh, and a game called Gaia Attack 4. I'm not a huge fan of Gaia Attack 4, but I do appreciate what it's doing, because it's like a live-action game. Um, uh on rail shooter that that kind of has like a, a point blank vibe to it because it's like a bunch of mini games you have to you have to uh do but it, it, it's a game that you should play at least once but i feel like the actual game design is not amazing personally uh i i personally just just don't find the shooting and like the the events very fun but visually it's a very fun game because it is like a real environment with these like 3d you know character models or mushrooms and aliens running around and you have to sit there and shoot them and things like that so fun little game uh the big thing we really spent time on was time crisis 5 um i have played through time crisis 1 i believe time crisis 2 and time crisis 3 time crisis 3 i played at a namco arcade here in las vegas before it shut down um but uh, I have not played through Time Crisis 4, I don't think. So I did jump into Time Crisis 5, which actually seems to be a continuation of Time Crisis 2 specifically. That's not to say that there hasn't been ties between them. Wild Dog is still the the, the big per- or antagonist. And then uh, Wild Fang, that I believe was introduced in, in Time Crisis 3 specifically, uh, shows up in this game as well. Um, but it seemed to follow the story of, um, I think his name's Robert and and Keith, which is from t- Time Crisis 2, which is like the the first one that really leaned into the whole cooperative element of having two players, you know, playing side by side kind of thing. And this game specifically definitely still has that mechanic. I think Time Crisis 3 and, and 4 still have that mechanic as well. Um, again, not having played Time Crisis 4, I can't say what was 100% new here. But one thing that was really... I found really neat is that there were uh, basically like a two-pedal system so you can jump between cover, so you kind of like teleport between two different locations so you can kind of like flank enemies and kind of catch them off guard. It made the game feel a lot more manageable. There's times that like an enemy would shoot at you and you can kind of teleport to another piece of cover and um, you know be able to get out of the way or like whenever enemies kind of point their guns at you you kind of warp to the side and then shoot them from the side and then as they kind of turn and look at you that uh, for the other direction then you can kind of warp back. It feels a little broken in some ways but the game's fast-paced Enough that uh, I really, you know, I still was hit pretty often and still uh, <laughs> had to continue quite a few times. Thankfully, Game Nest is a free play establishment, so you didn't have to pay a bunch of money to get through it. There's also like multiple weapons and things like that as well. Uh, but really, the standout thing about this game probably, again, have not played Time Crisis 4, but the thing that stand out to me mo- most in this game was uh, there's this particular battle scene where you have two characters um one of the characters is like a buddy of yours who's who's in a fight um and then also like a another character fighting against them and it's like a melee combat so they're like sitting there one's got a knife and i think i think other's got like a sword and they're sitting there fighting each other so you have to sit there and not shoot your partner while that fight's going on so you're kind of the, the person in the background while this whole action sequence is playing out in front of you and the entire fight you have to sit there and try to like be very accurate to only shooting you know, the guy that is, that is the, the enemy. And they're like all up on, on top of each other, jumping around, spinning around, you know, locking blades and things like that. And at one point, like, uh, one of the guys is like, like, uh, the, the, the your buddy guy like gets knocked down. And so it's just you and the, uh, the antagonist kind of sit there, uh, fighting each other and you're doing a gunfight. And at some point he like runs in on like a, a forklift and like slams the other guy into the wall. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty great scene. That's probably, one of my favorite time crisis moments of all time, if not maybe my favorite, it was a really fun um, sequence of events. And if you shoot your your partner, you get like minus points. Um, maybe you lose a life too. I don't remember for sure. So, but, but yeah, I had a lot of fi- fun with time crisis five. I thought it was cool that it like connected the story to time crisis two. It did take, take me a little while to kind of realize who the characters were in this game. Cause it's been so long since I played time crisis two. I was like, I think these are these two guys from time crisis too. Like, I think that's who, who they were. Um, so, so that was a fun, uh, little thing. Uh, the final boss fight, I think was a little, a little too straightforward. I don't know. I think, I feel like time crisis final boss fights are, are rarely that exciting for me, but that, that particular fight in the middle of the game, oof, that was, that was a great thing. Anyways, that was my little arcade, uh, uh, adventure. I, I don't know if I pre- prefaced by letting you know I was going to go through all those arcade games, but I played all those. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I will probably not go back to the arcade anytime soon in the near future. But I, I'm glad the only arcade I might go to in the near future, if it's still open, is there's like one over um that was like a uh, crane game specific place I think, and it was very like pink. Uh, I would like to go down there at some point. I I forget the name of it, but um, somebody told me about it last year, but it's like in the middle of COVID stuff. So I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't. And then I was like, ah, actually, you know, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should go down there at some point. But after this whole week of being with family and then going to the arcades with family, I think I'm good to, I I have earned myself a homestay for now. (laughs) Uh, in terms of news this week, there wasn't like a ton, ton I want to talk about. One game that did catch my eye was Metal Dogs. I think we may have talked about this before, but I don't know if I really understood what it was. Metal Dogs is a spinoff of the Metal Max series or Metal Saga in some cases in America. And uh, it's like a top down, um, I guess, I don't know if twin stick shooter is the right word, but you're like a dog with this like gun backpack and you run around and you're shooting things. It's Apparently the game's in early access, but it looks kind of fun and cute. Um, I, I'll link the steam pa- page in the story description if you want to see what it is, but you're basically just a dog with like a little gun pack running around. I think those metal max games kind of pride themselves on being a little weird the, I think it's pretty common in those games that those dogs are, are well equipped with various cannons and guns on their bodies that they run around with. So if you want to see like armored dogs running around, that's kind of a fun little, uh, series to check out, check out the uh, opening video for metal saga for the PS2. You'll, you it's a pretty, um, I think it, probably defines what what style that series is going for although maybe i I feel like that what i've seen of the metal max games later on ps4 maybe not as goofy as that metal saga game for ps2 um, another thing that was announced was that Wonderfest 2021 was going to be, is going to be canceled. So if you don't know if Wonderfest is, it is a figure event in Japan. I think it is like a mix of like official figures as well as fan-made figures. Um, so in some ways you can think of it like as the comicette of figures And in, in, in some cases. is if, that, if that's not entirely accurate, feel free to let me know. Otherwise, that is just my understanding as somebody who's never been to Wonderfest. I would love to go to Wonderfest. Um, speaking of one- loving to go to Wonderfest, so they're like, it's canceled for 2021 because, you know, stuff's happening. Um, but they're going to go with an online event and look, one of the, one of the nice things about everyone having to go online for these like Japanese indie, like dojin good events stuff is that you, that means they become accessible to me so I can get my Tokidol makeup mirror as I please. Will I use it? I'm not wearing makeup at this point in my life, <laughs> but maybe in the future, I don't know. It's a mirror. I use a mirror sometimes. <laughs> um, um, but with the Wonderfest stuff, I'm curious to see if any of the Tokadol fans will start, um, or have anything made there. Uh, there, there's somebody who makes a doll sculptures there. Um, so, and then, you know, if there's other things that are, are of interest, um, uh, I would definitely take a look at that, but they, they, you know, a uh, uh, Figures have been in there in the past. I don't think they're painted, so that would be a big thing. But, you know, I just got to look at it, think about it, figure it out. There's also been some Atokadol, like, plushies and stuff people had sold there. I don't know if they're still selling those things. Um, I would have to kind of look into it. It's been a while. I think a lot of the Atokadol community at this point has moved on to Solomon Programme. Um, which if you're, you know, a regular on this podcast, you know what that is. But Solomon Program is a game by the same developers of the Atokadol people. Um, and, and Atokadol being like that rhythm game I made a video about. Go look at my YouTube channel if you want to know what Atokadol is. Um, and just search a token all o t o. I'll the link in the description. <laughs> Anyways, but but um, I think a lot of them have moved on to Solomon program. So I'm wondering if we're going to see more Solomon program kind of stuff. I saw that one of the people I usually follow who who makes those figures was rendering out the uh, little blue like mage character that has like the ice rod. Um, they seem to be making some kind of three D model based off that. I don't know if that's because they're trying to make a figure or something. Um, but I'm curious to see what what happens there. But I will be interested in seeing if there is any way I can kind of exploit Wonderfest's online presence for myself. Um, my wallet won't like that, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. See see where life takes us, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then the last thing is that uh, there is apparently going to be a short, I think, web series. Or maybe it's like a TV series that just shows up in like a very small window. Uh, For fitness boxing. Fitness boxing 2 specifically, apparently. Getting an anime. Um, So I'm going to keep an eye out for that. I'm a big fan of the original fitness boxing as much as I didn't really spend as much time as I'd like to with it. I have not picked up fitness boxing 2 because of that. Um, And I have a lot of extra games that I have, exercise games uh, that I have like the Active Life series that I want to spend more time on. And so I don't really have a great need to pick up Fitness Boxing 2 at this point. I do see there are a lot of copies out there, but they usually are still going for full retail price. So I'm still kind of waiting to see if I find a decent deal on uh, on Fitness Boxing 2. Uh, I've not really followed the sales figures of Fitness Boxing 2. I know the first game sold very well. Nintendo, I believe, published it in the US here. But in other regions, uh, I forget who the publisher was, but um, somebody else published it in other regions. Um, so I'm curious to see how how it did. Uh, but that's kind of a neat thing, I'll definitely give it a look once once it comes out. But giving it, I think it's like a five minute runtime on each episode, you really don't expect much. Also, it's an anime based off a of fitness boxing game on the Switch. Like, what can it really be? But I do like that they're exploring those characters more. Like, fitness boxing one of the cool things about fitness boxing is that it has these kind of definable characters. Now, they it's not like they have dialogue or anything like that, they just kind of give you little little you know uh little uh, encouraging little bits of of, of text here or, or voice acting here and there um and you can dress them up and put clothes on and stuff like that so there's there's definitely like an element of the characters there but they're not like you know it's not like you're getting a story mode or something like that right you have to go to active life explorer if you want story modes in your exercise games please and thank you um the story in Ex- active life explorer is not very exciting it's basically just like we need treasure go go get the treasure and you go find treasure like good job there's more treasure in the next land. And you do that over and over and over and over again. They're like, Oh no, it's the final land with the final treasure. Go do it. So maybe there's something to happen after those, those, those little treasure bits are found. But for now I am still just exploring for treasure an active life explorer after four or so hours. So, so yeah. And that's pretty much it for news. Um, I think I've kind of talked about everything I wanted to today. Um, if you didn't see last week, the happy dance collection video went up. So happy dance collection is a wee fitness or not fitness game, dancing game that I really enjoy. I wouldn't really say it's like it fits super well in the fitness space because it doesn't really ask for the same kind of intense momentum as a game like active life or fitness boxing. So, you know, you definitely will work up a sweat playing it to some degree, but it's not going to be like, you know, you sweating and like feeling uh, uh, like, you know, tired or anything like that. It's more like maybe you can look at it as a way to get moving kind of thing. But more importantly, there's the fashion element to the game. So if you are a fan of games like a token all, then I would recommend checking out Happy Dance Collection. Very cool game. Highly recommend it for anyone who likes that kind of fashion as a mechanic kind of thing. Like Aikatsu, like Prepara, like Love and Berry, things like that. And this week we have a Tokimeki Card Paradise uh, PCFX English Guide video going up. This is the last of the pre-scheduled videos I had for when that PCFX video went up. Uh, unfortunately I have not really worked on any more since then. It's been a little bit busy and I've been a little bit, uh, uh, worn out. (laughs) So, um, I unfortunately have not really had much of a chance to work on anything new yet. Uh, but you will hopefully be seeing some stuff here in the near future, or at least I'll be trying to tell you what things will be looking like. Um, the, I would like to continue to do the PCFX English guide videos. There was a pretty strong reception specifically for the Hunex fighters 98 one. Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be many more videos like the Hunex fighters 98 one specifically. Um, but you know, I'm glad people found that and were like, Oh, this is something I can play on the PCFX. Very cool. Very cool. So yes. Um, anyways though, that's it for this week. Um, if you didn't see last week, we pre-scheduled um, a, a stream that I did for, uh, Chojin Heki Zoroigar, speaking of PCFX games. So if you want to see me play through Chojin Heki Zoroigar and a pre-recorded stream that is uploaded up on YouTube now, um, we also had a chat going on. I was in the chat there. So if you have the chat up on screen, you can see us kind of talking a little bit in there about stuff, you know, commentating a little bit more, obviously being a pre-recorded stream, I couldn't actively live react to the chat so i'm only in there in text talking to people uh but we'll be getting back to scourge hive next week i think if i recall correctly i think it's probably gonna be about three parts i believe for scourge hive unless we hit some major you know barriers into to moving forward um so look forward to that on thursday at 7 p.m pacific time and then uh yeah We'll see where we go from there. Uh, oh, there's, there's going to be a multi-tap podcast soon. I'm not going to set a date particularly, but I'm going to shoot for next week. Probably sometime in the middle of the week, there'll be a multi-tap podcast. Probably. If not, I'll let you know on the next podcast uh, coming up. I'm not going to replace one of the weekly podcasts with it. I thought about it, but the multi-tap podcasts aren't really the same as this podcast. Um, I think it makes sense to kind of keep the standard podcast going every week, even with the multi-tap podcasts. I may change my mind later on down the line, but right now that's what makes the most sense to me. So I will let you know otherwise, otherwise expect to hear me back from me on Sunday next week or Monday next week rather. And then, uh, and then you will see the multi tap podcast, uh, it's probably sometime in the middle of the week, replacing like a smaller video, like, a you know, happy dance collection review or something like that. But yeah. Anyways, thank you so much. Have a great week. OneControlPort.com is the website. Bye.